Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia, and I am so glad you're here. I am a 20-something in my early 20s, and I was going through my fair share of shit show moments, and I'm sure there's more shit show moments to come. So much fun. But it's while I was going through these moments, I was realizing I'm probably not the only 20-something who feels this way. So I decided to start this podcast back in 2020, and it's been incredible. And I love interviewing these inspiring people. And I hope that through these stories, you're able to see yourself in these stories. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you would share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. I put so much time and energy into this podcast and it would mean the world to me. So without further ado, let's get started. Today's guest is Michael. I love chatting with him. Michael is the founder and owner of Think Unbroken and author of the popular book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. Michael has overcome immense amounts of childhood abuse from his mother, stepfather, and grandmother, pushed past addiction, unhealthy weights, and broken through countless damaging mindsets to be where he is today. He is passionate about helping adults overcome their childhood trauma to live a life that is successful and free. In this interview, we go into so many incredible things from his journey, what he came through, and what he went through to realize that he had to start to go through this process of undercovering his trauma and starting to work with it, what inspired him to start working with other people to get free from their trauma, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments you might resonate with. Let's start there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, think about the apocalypse. It was like that. (laughs) My 20s were super chaotic. I I think, like, a lot of people who had not stepped into any capacity of a healing journey that I was living the expectations that were embedded and ingrained in me. So early in my 20s, I found success working for a corporation. At 20 years old, I was working for a Fortune 10 company, and I don't have a high school diploma or a college education. And so that's practically impossible. But I had this clarity about, I want to make 100 grand a year. And so I did that. And that's where my focus was. That's where my attention was. But the, the problem with that is what so many people always say. They're like, money will not bring you happiness or change your life or blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I had it that I realized, oh, yeah, no, that's totally true. Because when you fast forward to me being at like 26, now, well, 25 heading into 26, I'm like 350 pounds, smoking two pack a day, drinking myself to sleep. You know, I've made almost a million dollars at this point, but I'm 50 grand in debt. And it's like, that is such a, a normative experience for people who come from traumatic backgrounds who haven't yet done the work. And so when I hit this rock bottom moment, when I'm heading into my 26th birthday, when I picked myself up, up out of bed. It, you know, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm eating chocolate cake, smoking a joint and watching the CrossFit games. And you're like, okay, cool. I don't think life can get any worse than this. And I went, I looked at myself in the bathroom mirror and I asked myself, like, what are you willing to do to have 
have the life that you want to have? And the answer ultimately was no excuses, just results. And what that effectively meant was I'm no longer going to do or be what everyone else told me I will be. And instead, I'm going to go and forge this new path and get out of my own damn way. Because so much of it was this constant battle against myself, right? I mean, you go look at anyone's hero's journey, right? Everyone, we all face the same thing. It's like when you get out of your own fucking way, life becomes different. And so that's what happened. And I made that declaration of myself about no excuses. And I meant it because I'd always allowed myself to play this victim role. And so I just went down this path of learning everything about the impacts of trauma, about getting serious about therapy and coaching and personal development. And and as I started heading into the tail end of my my 20s, I was like, actually, the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to leave Indiana, my home. And I think that's such an important key for people. Like if you are still in the place where the traumatic experiences you've had in your life are present, maybe not in terms of like in real time, but you're driving down the street or you smell that smell or you see that person and you're faced with all these, all this inner turmoil. I think one of the greatest things you can do is leave, right? And when I left people, as I'm heading into 29, 30 years old, when I left, people were like, what are you running from? Why are you leaving? And I'm like, I'm running to me. I'm not running from anything. I'm just, I've come to realize that whatever this place is, is not what I need. And so, you know, it was this, my, my greatest 180 really happened in that window. And one of the things also that I, I want to kind of put some, some emphasis on is like 26 to 30 years old was one step forward and a million steps backwards. And it was like, I was doing all the things, but fucking up all the time. And it's just, you have to retrain your brain and you have to retrain your nervous system and you have to really figure out what it means to commit and bet on yourself and be willing to have self-accountability. And so that that journey is really the framework and the, the backstory that sets me up for where I am today. Mm, so many places I want to go. It's so interesting. You have such an incredible story. And like going back to like, we think like once we achieve a certain thing or once we get a certain amount of money, that's going to take away and it's going to be like the be all end all thing for us. In terms of like at that point when you're setting those financial goals, getting into that corporation, did you know in the back of your mind that like there was this trauma that was like never addressed, never healed? Or did you think like, did that come out at any point? Or was it something that you were able to kind of like skip over at that time? Well, no, I mean, I stuffed it down. Like I think most people do. You know, it's funny, I was interviewing Dr. Gabor Monte recently and he'll be speaking at our conference. And, you know, he talks about depression being this thing that when we depress and push down our emotions, our experiences. And when I was in my 20s, it was, you know, you have to keep in mind, I had a massively traumatic childhood. My mom was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, she cut off my right index finger when I was four years old. My stepdad was super super abusive, put me in the hospital a bunch of times. Between eight to 12, we were homeless. I lived with over 30 different families. And I mean, I was doing drugs when I was 12, getting high and popping pills and running from the cops, getting shot at, breaking into houses, you know, all those chaotic things that happen and more and more and more. I mean, stuff that I don't even really get into because it doesn't need to be said again. But what happened was I just started pushing all that stuff down. And I'm like, 
okay, cool. I'm going to be hyper independent, right? I'm going to figure out everything on my own. Nobody can help me ever, which made me really vehemently stubborn, which probably isn't a great character trait when your life is upside down. It made me want to push people away. Like the walls that I had up were so incredibly high. Like you couldn't get in if you had a freaking pole vault, right? And so, so much of it was, it's not about, did I not address it? But it was like, it was so normative, which it is for many people who come from traumatic backgrounds that I was just like, this is who I am. And that is probably the most dangerous sentence in the English language or any language for that matter, because that's the ultimate fixed mindset. Because, you know, ultimately we all have an identity. We all have this idea of this person that we believe that we are. And if you believe that, like I did, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you don't matter, you're a loser. Well, that plays out in your life, right? That plays out in your relationships. It plays out in your money. It plays out in all the aspects of who it is that you are. And so I just kept trying to fill that gap of the pain that existed with, you know, chasing more money, more late nights and parties, all these hookups, you know, whatever it was that made me feel like the external world was going to fill me up. And I think that one of the most important things I realized was those things do not bring you joy or happiness or fulfillment or love or connection or commitment or empathy or grace or hope. None of that shit brings you anything except more pain until you get clarity about what you want. And so my cognition around it was, yeah, it exists. I mean, literally every single day I look down at my hand, here's this finger that my mom cut off. You can't run from that, right? But you can push it down and try to hide from it. And like, you know, think about it like this. If there's a gas leak in your house, well, on a long enough timeline, eventually your house is going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. And like at the beginning, like when you realize like, yeah, this is like something that's part of me. And like, let's say maybe you're realizing this is something I want to address this is something I want to work on. How do you not get overwhelmed by all of it? But like, well, here's do. like, like, yeah. You do. And I mean, I don't, you can't not when, when you have this moment of clear, when I, I'll speak for myself, I had this moment of clarity and I see this happen with all my clients when I coach them, when I speak at events and people come up to me. I mean, literally I was just listening right before we got on, I was listening to a voicemail that somebody left me for my podcast. And when that moment happens, it's in some sense a Pandora's box because you're like, oh shit. Okay. Wait a second all of that stuff matters. And, you know, realistically, we're the sum total of all of our experiences. So everything that's ever happened to us leads up to this moment. And you can be dismissive of that. You can run from that. You can try to hide from that, but it's there and it will find you. And so in the beginning, I think one of the things that really caught me off guard was just how much there was, right? Because I never really understood it never really understood the the amount of pain and suffering that I had endured because I thought that was normal I thought that was life and it's crazy to me when I'm when I'm working with people how that's their truth as well we just go oh that's why I thought it was normal to have my stepdad slam my head into a wall or my mom to beat me till I pass out or for my grandma to do this or my teachers to do that and it's like well maybe it's not normal and so now you're starting to face this identity crisis like I think that's the thing that happens when you 
you really start to step into this journey because all you've ever known is this version of you, right? You're like, okay, this is who I am. This must be true. These false beliefs, these limiting beliefs, this self-sabotage, this whatever the hell it is that you want to call it, right? All the aspects of your life that are not tapped into greatness, all the aspects of your life that are feeling broken or stuck or whatever, right? That's where you're at here. And then suddenly you have this moment where you go, wait a second. I understand now why I am this way. Causation and correlation, it's everything. You can point back to every experience you've ever had in your life to today into this moment and you go, oh shit, that's why I behave this way. And so what happened for me is I just started recognizing all of these behavior patterns that were tied into my past, right? Because think about this, if you're told you're not good enough, you don't matter, you're gonna act like that and that's gonna be a reflection of your life. And so when I was starting to like lay out this puzzle piece on the table and look at it, it was starting to make this picture where I was like, fuck this. I don't like this picture. And to your point, yeah, I mean, it's totally overwhelming at first because suddenly you're in this position where for the first time ever, you're acknowledging things that you've never brought attention to. Because most people, and, and I include myself in this, we run from reality because reality is hard. It sucks a lot of times, right? But a lot of times it's really great. And so we'll tap into these places in which we get spiraled into the chaos of these memories or these emotions or these circumstances that have happened in our life. And that's the thing we grasp onto. And so you've been grasping onto that for 20 years, 30 years, 55 years, 72 years, right? If your whole identity is tied into chaos, and then now you understand that you actually also play a role in this chaos, which really fucks people up. Because the thing you have to recognize is like that stuff that happened to you, you're not culpable for, but the choices and decisions that you're making today, like that's on you. That's a mind fuck for people. And it was for me too, because I was like, oh shit, this is my fault. Not the bad stuff, right? Not the stuff in childhood, not the stuff when I was 17 or 21, but like the decisions I was making every single day, getting high before work, cheating on my girlfriend, getting drunk every single day, being 350 pounds, right? Going to eat McDonald's fucking 20 times a week. Well, why was I doing that? I was depressing all of the emotions and the chaos, stuffing it down and down and down and down. Everyone has a coping mechanism, right? Whatever it is. For some people, it's being an overachiever. For some people, it's porn. Everybody has a thing. But when you can bring awareness to it, now you can start to control it. So here you are in this position where you're whole life has been laid out in front of you. You have this moment, it feels overwhelming, and you're like, okay, cool, I don't want to do or be this person anymore. And now you really start the journey, right? Because up, up to that point, it's kind of like, eh, I guess this is just my life. And then with awareness, now it becomes about choice. And that's where success and failure happens in this journey. Because yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's a lot. But you know, you tackle it. I know it's fucking cliche, but literally one day at a time, because you can only do so much. And so I always ask myself, is like, what is the one thing I have to accomplish today? What is the one thing I need to do to have the life that I want to have? And most people think that this is a journey of, I'm going to do everything all at once and everything will be different. That has never worked. And never, have you ever done anything in your life where you're like, I'm going to try it. It's going to be completely different than anything I've ever done. And then everything is going to be better. No, no. Because it doesn't work that way, right? And when you start stuff, you suck. Like you are terrible the first time you do anything ever. And then the thing that happens is you have a decision you have to make about all the newfound understanding about who you are. It's like, can you continue to fail forward, right? In the words of John Maxwell, can you continue to just, fuck it, I screwed up, keep going, let's figure it out. 
or are you going to let that stop you? And the people who do not let that stop them, the fear of failure, the fear of even success, which I would argue actually keeps more people stifled than fear. If you're willing to keep going no matter what, on a long enough timeline, your life will be different. But all of that stuff that rains down on you in the immediacy of the chaos that you have now unraveled within your own life because you've brought awareness to it really requires that you have to have support. You have to have support. You have to educate yourself. But most importantly, I think it's kind of like if you take that puzzle and you start putting the corner pieces on it and you start building it from the outside in, it's like, can you have compassion for yourself, grace, accountability, a word that people do not like to hear, and can you be patient, right? And if you can do those four things and build that structure and start framing the rest of the outside in of the puzzle, on a long enough timeline, the picture is going to be very different than you thought it was going to be. And the patient aspect of that is so hard because it's so easy to be like, shouldn't I be over this by now? Or shouldn't I have like healed more by now? Or like, why is this continually coming up? How do you have grace for yourself when you feel like it's kind of like you're repeating the same pattern over and over again? Well, what I always try to do is, and I teach my clients, is it's like, can you create a gap in time in which that pattern is repeated, right? Because if today it's one day, can it be two and then four and then eight and then 16 and then 32 and 64 and 128, right? And that's what starts to happen. Can you increase the timeline in which those things that you do from the first time to the next time is longer? right? We're humans. Like people think that they're going to go to fucking listen to a podcast or go to a conference or read a book one time and things are going to be different forever. But they're not because we are a species that is totally, look at your identity. Look at who you are. So much of that is built through modeling. So much of who you are is built through modeling based on the information, especially that you have access to during your adolescence. And so, I mean, think about we're both have hats on right now. And somewhere in our journey, we saw someone probably have a hat on and we go, I like that. I'm going to wear hats. Well, what do you do when that modeling is you are in a relationship of chaos, right? And you're looking at your relationship today and it's abusive and it's unfaithful and it's hurtful and it's painful. of All the things that you're like, I don't want that. But then you rewind and you go look at your parents and you go, oh, well, no shit. They were the same way. Right. Some people have this crazy moment of realizing like they're dating their mom. Right. They're dating their dad. They're dating their bro, like whatever it is. And then you go, okay, wait a second. Here's that causation correlation idea again. And so the thing about grace and patience in this is recognizing that, and again, it's cliche, but you don't know what you don't know. You've never, Sophia, you've never been this version of you before, right? This different version, this this thing that you believe you're capable of being. At my office, I'm not there right now, but on my whiteboard in giant letters, it says close the gap. So on one side of the gap is here who you are today, right? Based on the information data you have that has led you to where you are. And on the other side, is like, here's the person and the version of you that you want to be. This idealization of this is the greatest version of Sophia possible, right? This is who I believe that I'm capable of being. Well, between who you are and who you want to become, there is the gap. And you can only close that gap through education, through learning, through growth, through development, through massive amounts of failures that turn into acknowledging that you tried, through compassion, through empathy, but most importantly, through time, right? And so those people who will continue 
continue to beat themselves up, they're doing so because they haven't given themselves the space to be okay with not always being perfect. And the judgment and the shame that comes along with that most of the time isn't even about us, right? It's about the fear that we have that other people are going to see us as inadequate as other people will see our vulnerabilities, as other people will see us as less than perfect. But like, nobody's fucking perfect. And if you think they are, like, go check their internet history. I promise you they're not. Like, they're probably, they're probably Googling shit like, how do I be a better husband? How do I be a better friend? How do I heal? How do I do this? Like, this idea that people somehow are better than thou is bullshit. I know billionaires who are fucking miserable. Literally. And, you know, I know people who are just scraping by, who are the most happy people on planet Earth because they've realized that the only thing that matters is how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror. And so when you're going through this journey and you're trying to figure this out and you're feeling this pull to beat yourself up about not being great yet, it's like, yeah, you're not great yet. What have you done to be great? What have you done to heal? What have you done to show up? And most people are like, I read a book one time. I'm like, yeah, so fucking what, right? You've been living for 36 years. You've been living for 45 years. Can you execute every single day about building into the person that you want to be based on who you choose to be, right? Most people are living this false narrative about who the society or their parents have told them that they should be working jobs that they hate and relationships that are miserable. They don't travel. They don't experience. There's no joy. They bury themselves in football. You know, I had a conversation with somebody close to me and I was like, look, motherfucker, you cheer louder for the football team than you do for yourself. You don't think there's something wrong with that? And so you have to look at like, and, and seriously, what do you want? What do you want? Who do you want to be? And can you map that out? And can you move towards that every single day? Because if you're not patient in building who you are, nothing's going to be different because the very first time you try to do something, going back to what I said, like you suck. You're going to suck at being in healthy relationships until you have been in a healthy relationship. You're going to suck at managing money until you learn how to manage money. You're going to suck at being physically fit and emotionally stable until you become physically fit and emotionally stable, right? Because it is a, it's a process of learning learning and modeling. And so we've spent our whole life modeling the wrong things because we weren't told that you're allowed to model other things, other people, other ideas, other reality. And when you start to build into that self, now you're stepping into this place where you're looking at life as I've never been this version of me before. And so I have to close that gap, but it's terrifying. And so the only way I can close that gap is by, well, closing the gap. People ask me all the time, they're like, how do you write a book? How do you start a podcast? How do you speak on stages? How do you coach all these people? How do you blah, blah? I'm like, by fucking doing it. You know, I, I wish this were my quote. It's not. I really, really wish it was because it's phenomenal. Um, Alex Hermosi is an incredible entrepreneur. He said, most people wait five years to do something that takes one hour. And, and that struck me and it sits on the top of my mind literally every day I think about it because it's so true. Action is ultimately the cure-all in it. Like if your life isn't what you want it to be and if it's the thing that you want to go and create, like you have to be willing to take massive action. And you have to be willing to be patient with yourself and have grace for yourself as you take that action because if you don't, I promise you, you will not stay on the path because it's going to get harder before it gets easier because you've never been you before. Mm-hmm. I love that quote that's making me think about like how many things that we have on that list avoiding five years. And also like, do you think we can have like a healthy relationship without addressing trauma? And also with that, like once we've realized that we have trauma, can we be in a healthy relationship at the same time? Or do we need to take a break of being single and working on that trauma on our own? 
That's a great question. Um, I think it's different for everybody. You know, for myself, one of the things that I did is I made a declaration, like I'm going to be single for a long time. And it was like four years where it was just like me with me all the time. And it was miserable, right? Because you're, you're having these moments where you're like, nothing would feel better than like hooking up with somebody. Nothing would feel better than, you know, having somebody spend the night, blah, 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 blah. And it was like me at therapy with my journal, with my coaches, personal development, conferences, education every single day for four years, because I was like, I need to do this for me. And like, I think about this too, like the people that you're in relationships with and to some extent, like if you are in the right relationship with the right person, with the right clarity about that, with all of the things that you need that you've defined, which I think is incredibly important, that person also heals you to an extent. Now that's not to say like, try to get in a relationship and hope somebody's going to heal you because that's fucking insane and that's not going to work. But there are things that pop up where you're in it and you're in the moment and you're like, oh, I'm behaving differently. I'm emoting differently. This is very vastly different than anything I've ever experienced because of all the work I've done, because of how I've learned to show up for myself. Most people think that the external environment is going to give them the thing that they need. It's not, right? You know, I, I go look at this pivotal moment I had in, in my mid-20s where I had left my corporate job. I'm working on building my first business. I guess it wasn't my second business. And I was in debt. I mean, I was 50 grand in debt at that point. And I saw this ad from Brendan Burchard for a coaching program that he had. And it was like 50 bucks. And I remember being terrified. I was like, 50 bucks, man, this guy can't fucking help me. 50 bucks, like what? And I remember looking down at my shoes and I had Jordans on. And I, I mean, I still to this day, I rock Jordans. And it's like, but I looked at them that particular day and I was like, I spent more money on my shoes than I ever have on my personal development on myself. I have put more emphasis on the external bringing me value than I have for me. And I realized I'd never bought a pair of shoes that made me love myself. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to go deeper into this journey. And that was at like 26, 27 years old. And so the more that you are willing to step into this journey with yourself, the more that as you grow, that energy that you have is going to be reciprocated by the universe and the people in your life. Like I look at my partner, I look at my friends, I look at my family, I look at my community, I look at everybody who's in my life currently as of today, 30, whatever, eight years old that I am. And I look at that and I go, okay, great. So this means that all of the work that I've done has given me the ability to vibrate on a frequency of authenticity that other people in the world and universe vibrate on. And because of that, I can have a healthier relationship. Because of that, I can have healthier friendships. Because of that, I can have all of whatever the things are. But that is through doing the work. That is through showing up. And so for some people, yeah, you should probably be single. You should probably take inventory of the relationship that you're in right now and recognize, is it volatile? Is it bringing value to me? Am I in it? Because I'm afraid to be alone, right? Am I a serial monogamous? Am I a serial hookup artist? That's probably not the word I want to use, but you know what I mean? And so it's like, you know, are, what is your behavior pattern that leads you to where you're at today? And ask yourself, like, is this the relationship I want to be in? Is this the person I want to be with? Is this what my definition of love and, and friendship and companionship is, right? Or am I being abused mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, right? Am I in something that does not bring me value? Am I staying for the kids, right? You know, I think that's super dangerous. It's super dangerous because kids are going to pick up on that shit. Again, modeling. And then next thing you know, your kids are going to be in a relationship like yours and they're going to be trying to figure out how. It's because you taught them. 
And, and I think ultimately the, the thing that you have to do is get massive clarity. Like, what do you want? And if you don't have it, do the work together if you are in a relationship to have it. And if you do not believe that it's possible, then you need to leave. Because if you don't, you're going to be that couple who at 60 years old hates each other, who never has sex, who are there for the kids who have been in college for fucking 10 years, right? And then you're going to be miserable and you're going to die with regret. And worse than that, this thing that's going to happen in the interim of that is you're going to set yourself up for disaster because your friends are going to be like, dude, we're so tired of you complaining. We don't even want to hang out with you anymore. And your family's going to be like, don't talk about it because you're not changing it. And your friends are going to be like, we don't want to hang out with you. And worse, you're going to be in a relationship that's unfulfilling. And that's a big, 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 big part of life. So you got to figure out what that is for you and what it means. And everybody's different, like I said, but ultimately, as long as you have clarity, I think that that becomes the, the baseline and the, the jump off point for figuring out, you know, is this something that we're going to work through together? Do I need to be alone? Like whatever it is. I mean, that's a question that's so subjective and contextual to each person that I can only really step into it from a general analysis. Yeah. And let's say, like, someone had, like, experiences, like, with friendships in the past, being burned, like, it's very closed off, doesn't really open up to people, always has kind of, like, a wall around them. How does, like, someone like that start to, like, develop friendships and, like, deep friendships when, like, they're constantly kind of keeping someone, like, farther away from them? Yeah, you can't. You can't keep somebody a mile away and expect them to sit next to you. It doesn't work that way. And so if you're in that position and you're like, I think about it for myself because I've been that person. I've been closed off with these high walls, with the inability to ever let anyone come close. And I think the thing that that must occur is you have to have the willingness to be okay with knowing that the possibility that you could get hurt is there. But most people will focus on the possibility of being hurt and not the possibility of, of success, right? Of love, of companionship, of amazing friendships, right? And so you have to become solution-oriented to an extent. You have to be looking at the, ah, I'm not, I want to say this because it really is important to me. I am not an optimist. That is not how I operate in the world. I am a realist. And so I never sit and I'm like, everything's going to be sunny because motherfucker, it's not. Some days are going to really suck. But I am a realist and I can look at it and I can go, have other people had the thing that I'm trying to have in my life? Well, yeah, cool. Well, then why can't I? Now, I mean, of course, there, we're, we're built with a certain DNA. They're like, I can't be a fighter pilot, right? I'm six foot four, 220, had asthma as a kid, couldn't get in the military, right? Also can't really play, you know, whatever that thing is. Where there's always going to be a limitation and people will say, well, how can you do this? I'm like, well, don't be dumb about it. Like, seriously, you know that there are some things you're never going to be able to do. If you're fucking four foot ten, you're probably not going to be dunking in the NBA. Okay, cool. So what else can you do? What else can you be driven towards? What else can you have in your life? And the modeling aspect comes from looking at other people. What have they built? What is their foundation? Can I learn from them? And there's levels to it, too, because so many people are like, I'm closed off and I don't want to get involved and it's better if I'm just alone. And then they complain about it. They write about it on social. They're like, I'm so lonely. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, because you go home every day and you play video games. You go home, you watch TV, you watch Friends. Friends are your friends. We're show of all time, by the way. And so what happens is like you find yourself, I'm by myself all the time. Okay, because why? The decision I'm making. Well, why aren't you going to be a part of community? Why aren't you going to be service of other people? Why aren't you connecting with other humans? Go to charities, help at schools, help at the food pantry, go and show up. I mean, hell, create a podcast even, right? Do 
do something that is of service to other people, but you're not doing that and you want to complain. And nobody is really going to have empathy for that, right? I think a lot of it is people will complain because they are seeking empathy or sympathy and people will go, oh man, I feel so bad for you. But it's not true because nobody's actually thinking about you for more than the three seconds on the social media post. And that's not a jab. Let's be very clear about that. It's just fact. It is just truth. People are always so concerned about what other people are thinking about them. But Sophia, the secret is they're not. They're not. I was not thinking about you until fucking 40 seconds ago, right? And that's how life works. And so if you're in this place and you have this huge wall up and you're alone, ask yourself, what are you doing to not be alone? What are you doing to put yourself in community? And here's what's really fascinating. If you can't find the community, can you build the community, right? You have the ability right now to put together the group of people that you want to be around, that you want to be with, that you want to show up for. And the vulnerability thing, like that creates relatability. Now, again, I want to be very clear. I don't think it's about like dumping your shit on the world, but it's about having conversations, a context about the truth of the struggle of your experience relatability. Like I don't, I don't want to hang out with people who have never struggled at all at any capacity in their life because they're probably lying to themselves. And I also don't want to hang out with people who aren't driven to be great because I'm driven to be great and I'm not dragging people along with me. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Right. And so when you go look at it, it's, it's like, and I've gone through the bouts of loneliness, of not having friends, of being ostracized, of trying to figure out how to be of service. And so I get it. Right. And that's the first thing I'll tell people, like it sucks, like it really does. But if you're hanging out by yourself every day and you're not putting effort into building a life that is worthy of having connection and companionship, nobody's going to give that back to you. Look, at the end of the day, this all starts with you. And that's the thing that people have got to understand. No matter what you think, no matter what you believe, no matter how you want to blame the world, no matter how whatever it is that is in your head that you are stuck on, it all starts with you. You have to make the choices and decisions to create the life that you want to have. I don't know about you, but nobody's ever knocked on my door and been like, hey, I got a great idea about how your life can be different, right? It's always been I have to go and seek it. I have to find it. I have to build it or I have to create it. And the, the willingness to be vulnerable is scary, right? There, There's no denying because we face the fear of judgment, of shame, of guilt. I mean, of even ramifications, depending on what it is. And so the autonomic response that we have as human beings is to preserve ourselves, right? To survive. Nothing is more triggering on planet Earth than the unknown. Because the brain's first response to any environment is to assess whether or not it's safe or dangerous. Think about it the same way. Like I, I did stand-up comedy for the first time, like, I don't know, I guess probably like eight years ago now. It's really the way that I learned how to become a public speaker. Because I asked myself, what is the most terrifying form of public speaking? Oh, it's stand-up comedy. And I'll tell you, as I walked up to that place, you know, it's kind of dingy, still has the old smoking smell in it. Carpets haven't been changed since 1970. Be, you know, the bar top is covered in booze stains and you have to go put your name on this list. And I rarely ever get nervous. And I was terrified as I wrote my name on that list. And I was like, you said you were going to do it. So do it. And most people do not have accountability for themselves, right? They'll bail on the idea of going to the beach volleyball game. They'll bail on joining 
you know, the, the knitting club. I don't know, whatever the fuck it is people choose to do. They'll bail on that stuff because they're scared that other people aren't going to like them. Well, guess what? Most people aren't even thinking about you to begin with. So stop worrying about whether they like you. Because if you're operating in authenticity, you're going to find out the truth of who you are. And so here I am in this position where I'm getting ready to go on stage and they call me and I'm first, which I was like, perfect. I love going first. Let's just get it out of the way. Pull the fucking bandaid off. And I crushed it. And it was this really, really beautiful, amazing experience. And that kind of started the, the path that I needed to be able to have the willingness to go from speaking in front of five people, 10 people, 100 people to I've now spoken in front of 10,000 people at Grant Cardone's events, right? And so that all started because I committed to myself. And I kept the self-accountability to show up, right? It's, are you going to, don't bell on the coffee date. Don't bell on the, going on the hike with the friends. Don't bell on the birthday party. You know, people are going to be like, I'm so alone. I'm an introvert. Yo, I'm so fucking introverted. It is unbelievable, right? But I always keep my commitments to my people. That's because it starts with keeping my commitment to myself. And so have the willingness to seek the possibility of having the thing that you want and remove yourself from always being stuck in what you don't want. Mm. I'm just thinking that over. <laughs> I'm thinking about over the, the accountability to yourself before you can give accountability to anyone else. And Well, think about this real quick. Mm -hmm. If I don't do what I say I'm going to do, if I don't keep my commitments to myself, are you going to believe that I'm going to keep my commitments to you? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. And when someone starts to realize like they need to start, like they want to start doing this work, they want to get on the other side of it. They want to be able to like get resources, be able to start to work through their childhood trauma. Like where do you suggest they kind of like start that journey? Yeah. Well, you know, it's again, it's going to be different for everybody. And we live in a vastly different world than when I started my journey 12 years ago, because for me at back then it was like, I'm going to hop on forums and I'm going to go to the library and read as many books as I can. And then it was symposiums and conferences and blah, 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 blah. Right. And now I look at it, I have over 30 trauma informed certifications. I've worked with Russell Vanderkolk and Pete Walker, Gabor Mate, Judd Brewer, Caroline Leaf, Anna Lamke. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Right. But it, it really all started with, I was just like, all right, I'm going to go take therapy seriously, right? I'm going to get a coach and get a mentor. Think about any hero's journey. Think about like, like, and I, I bring attention to this because I think it really matters. Every single person that we look at, that we love, that we admire in life has had a mentor, has had somebody there who has done the thing that they're trying to do. And to be honest with you, if I could rewind, I would actually have hired a coach before I went to therapy because there were behavioral patterns that I felt that should have changed that would have been a better parlay going into therapy than going into therapy and then trying to change the behavioral pattern. And, and that's just because I didn't know how to be a human, right? Really, I, I truly mean that. I just didn't, like, I, I struggled to brush my teeth. I struggled to get out of bed, to put healthy food in my body. Again, at 26, I was 350, two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep. Like, and so I, I didn't really understand and have those tools. So I would encourage people to look at mentorship first and foremost. Can you get a coach? Can you get a mentor? Somebody who's done the thing you're trying to do, again, coming back to that idea of modeling we've been talking about, right? Because in therapy, there's no modeling, right? I've done every modality of therapy, CBT, EMDR. I've done Gestalt. I've done family systems. I've done it all. Like literally I spent over a quarter million dollars, 6,000 hours on my own personal development and therapy. 
And nothing has brought me more clarity in my life than having someone in front of me who's done it already. And so when when you look at this hero journey, this hero's journey that that people go through, whether they're real people or fictional people, they all have a mentor, right? They all have somebody. If you go really dive into it, right? Like Rocky had Mick, right? Luke had Yoda, right? The list goes on and on. Everybody had somebody, right? Drake had Lil Wayne, uh, like for real, go look at Drake would not be Drake without Lil Wayne, period. And so those people had somebody who had done the thing they were trying to do. And when you have the person who's done the thing that you're trying to do, what effectively happens, and this is how I look at it when I'm working with my clients is it's like walking down a tunnel, right? The tunnel is dark and there's holes everywhere. Never, you don't know what's the next step in front of you. And you can walk down that tunnel alone and it's going to take you longer and cost more money and be vastly more painful than walking down that tunnel with somebody who happens to be a step in front of you with a flashlight who's already been down that path. And so, you know, the mentorship also, let's be clear, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to buy a $10,000 coaching program, right? Which a lot of people, that's their default. That's what they think. Mentorship is, can I go listen to Sophia's podcast? Can I read a book? Can I show up to the conference that's $97? Will I invest in myself, right? Most people aren't willing to invest in themselves because they're terrified of the potential, right? They focus on, oh, if I invest in myself that I'm going to fail. Well, you're only going to fail if you don't put in your effort, if you don't put in your energy, if you don't follow the roadmap. You know, if you get a piece of Ikea furniture that's complicated and you don't follow that damn step-by-step guide, you're going to put everything on the kitchen table that night and it's going to fall apart. And be like, yeah, no shit, dummy, because you didn't follow the fucking roadmap. The thing that you were supposed to do is right here. Now, that's where that self-accountability comes into play. Because people will love, and I've done this too, they're like, oh, I hired that person and it didn't work. Because you didn't do it. You were looking for a reason for it not to work. And when you change the narrative and you're looking for reasons why it will work, and again, becoming success-oriented, solution-oriented, the thing that you're trying to do will come to pass. And so, you know, it's really easy. People will often default, go to therapy, go to groups. I've done all of it. So I'm telling you, I've done it all done it all over. I added up all the numbers. They are real. It's over a quarter million dollars and over 6,000 hours invested in myself. Nothing, nothing I've ever done was as impactful as having a coach. And do you think there's ever like a time that you should see a therapist first or you think like it should be like a coach first or what do you think about that? Yeah, Or it's up to like the person or? Ultimately, you're going to have to do both. You're going to have to do both. And you're probably going to have to do more than you think you're going to do. I mean, at one point in this journey, when I was like probably 30, I was going to, this is what my week literally looked like. Mondays was one-on-one therapy. Tuesdays was coaching. Wednesdays was men's group. And Fridays was support group. And I did that for years. And then you'd sprinkle in, here's some EMDR, here's some CBT, here is some family systems, here is whatever, right? And that was my week every week for years, right? Just learning. Just understanding because, yeah, ultimately you're going to have to have both. I'm not saying don't go to therapy. I'm just saying that if you ask me where to start, right, that's where I would start. So therapy plays a massively important role because you need, here's the thing that happened for me with therapy. I was able to, and this may not apply to everybody, but this is what worked for me. 
I was able to rationalize the things that had happened. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. And I was able to go deeper into this understanding of this concept of generational trauma and look at my parents and how they behaved and why they behaved. Because I was able to like connect some dots and be like, oh, that makes sense. Th that's what therapy gave me. If I were to summarize therapy in a sentence, it was like, oh, that makes sense. And that changed everything for me. And as humans, we're very analytical, right? And in though we are emotional, we are also very analytical. And so think if you can make sense and make meaning of a lot of experiences that you have, that plays a huge dividend in the healing journey. So I'll never, ever, ever, ever say don't do therapy. I just say, for me, I think coaching first just makes more sense looking at the way that it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell him? Or if you want to tell him nothing at all, that's an option as well. Yeah, no, I wouldn't tell him anything because I wouldn't be here with you, right? Now, and people ask me that question all the time. If you could talk to your 8-year-old self or 12-year-old self or whatever, I'm like, I, my answer is literally always I would never change anything. I would not even talk to them. Now, if I could, now if I were to give you both sides of the answer, which I often do. The thing that I would probably say, not probably, the thing that I would say is just stay the course. Just stay the course. That thing, that dream, that idea of the person that you believe that you're going to be, you will be it if you keep moving towards it. Shut off everybody who doesn't believe in you. Take out people out of your life who don't bring you value. In those terrible fucking relationships, start putting yourself first in a healthy way. Do the things that you know you need to do. Because ultimately, here's the truth. This is what really messes with people. We all know what we're supposed to be doing. You know, when you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, you can't sleep. It's fucking bothering you and you're miserable and it's 3 a.m. and you've been tossing and turning because you know you need to do that thing. When you do that, your life will be different. And so I would just tell myself, do that thing, do it sooner. Don't wait five years to do something that takes an hour, right? Or a conversation, right? Do it today, do it now because you're going to die. And mm. so interesting because you're like the second person within the like last couple weeks to bring up this theme of leaning like forward versus leaning away. And like the things that we lean away from that we should really be leaning forward towards. Yeah, there, yeah. there was a research study around the fight or flight response. And they, they studied all, I cannot cite, I do not remember who did the study. I want to say it was Penn State, but I don't remember. So you're going to have to use this thing called Google, which I probably should too. So I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about when I'm talking about it. And, and one of the things that they found was that people who had served in the military, their response to, you know, to extraneous circumstances and stimulus was to face it head on, to step right into it because they had been trained. Part of military basic training is to be able to have the willingness to step into fear. And as civilians, right, we don't really have that same training. And so you have to train yourself to be able to step into it. So the people who are often unwilling to do this thing that you and I are talking about right now, and that's go head on, is because they haven't yet realized that they're probably not going to die, right? The thing that they're going to do is, like, it is not life or death to take yourself to the dentist. Seriously, it's not. But it's terrifying, right? And we play this narrative in our head about all the things that we shouldn't do because they're scary. And it's like, if you're willing to just face that fear every single day, day in and day out, your life is going to be massively different. But nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. I loved interviewing you today. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, for sure. It's my pleasure.
Awesome. And where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Um, yeah, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. Um, you can come join us at thinkunbrokenacademy.com. That's our free community, thousands of trauma warriors from around the world. It's absolutely free. We put in content and podcasts and events and courses and blah, blah, blah. It's all there. Just go to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.